0: The Nets playoff matchup is set. They'll take on the Boston Celtics in the first round. Game one is primetime Saturday night in Brooklyn. We'll give you an in-depth preview of the series and make our predictions. Plus, I bring out my alter ego, Lil Young, for a little Nets playoff wrap. Are we concerned with rookie head coach Steve Nash in the playoffs? We'll ask the post Brian Lewis. So get your thunder sticks and wave your towels. It's a playoff preview edition of Full Court on Flatbush. Next, from the New York Post. The next stop is police
1: Center. Full court on Flatbush.
0: Flatbush Avenue.
1: It's the podcast. New York Post. About... BK. Most stars in the sky. The Three. It's going. Brooklyn Nets.
2: up. <laughs> Take them to the sick baseline. Next win!
1: The, stars. the crossover!
2: Oh,
0: it's good. Welcome to our playoff preview edition of Full Court on Flatbush, our Nets podcast with the New York Post. I'm Robin Lundberg, alongside my co-host, Nets legend, number 30, Terry Kittles. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, during the show as well. Follow the whole crew on Twitter for updates on the podcast as the playoffs go on, at Robin Lundberg, at Carrie underscore Kittles 30, and at Jake Brown Radio. Nets beat writer for the post, Brian Lewis, will join us later in the pod. Plus, I'll bring out my alter ego, Lil Young, for a wrap in a bit. But Carrie, first thing I have to um, ask you is, how you would receive this comment? Brad Stevens, we know the Celtics, Defeat the Wizards. They get the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs. After the game, he says, we'll do our best to get ready for Brooklyn. They're the best of the best. As a fan of the NBA it's hard to see those guys losing. We're going to have to play great and play together. Is that a rah-rah quote in that Celtics locker room?
1: Uh, It's just bait, man. It's just bait. You know, he's he's trying to get the mind games going already. He's setting the bait and the trap, which is don't let your guards down because the Nets are just that good of a powerhouse team that we have no chance at beating them. So he's just trying to loosen up his guys so they can just play fancy free against a team that in his mind should destroy his team.
0: Is he he loosening them up or just telling the truth, right? Because, I mean, And that's the same thing I'm thinking going into this series. I mean, do do you give the, the Boston Celtics any chance in hell?
1: You know we have all three guys healthy now for the Nets. You know Celtics are banged up with the second best player, Jalen Brown, being out. So yes, they don't have a chance at winning this series. And I think he's just trying to get the most out of his team is what he's trying to do.
0: Jason Tatum playing really well though. I mean, it, it, I mean that, but that's the difference, I guess, between what the Nets have and what the Celtics have, right? Because you go into a game and you go, all right, we're going to go stop Jason Tatum. <laughs> you go into a game with the Nets and you go, dang, uh, where are we to, where do we go?
1: Yeah, that's the luxury, right? When you have three, <laughs> when you have those three guys, I mean, that's just a luxury. Not many teams are able to do that, to have those three dominant players on one team. And so, yeah, the Nets are able to slow down Tatum. It works in their favor to put pressure on those other role players uh, for the Celtics. And so that's going to be key in this series, right, is being able to try to limit Tatum's ability to control the game. Because we know he can't control an NBA game. He's a, an emerging superstar. So it's going to be fun to see how the chess match is being played on both sides and interested you know brad stevens has some experience over nash sitting in that seat so we'll see how this plays out
3: how is jason tatum not have a sponsorship with mcdonald's yet the amount of 50 piece nuggets he's dropping left and right has me hungry i want to walk there every time he does it he did it again tuesday and that's kind of the only way guys i think they have a shot here is if he drops a 50 or if he buys three 20 piece nuggets and drops a 60 piece that's really the only way and you know he made all of his free throws the other night too would you love to see that in today's game when a player makes 17 of 17 from the free throw line you never see that even from the best of the best. So give me some 50-piece nuggets from uh, Kyrie and KD, please.
0: I'm glad to hear you're walking if you're also eating the 50-piece nuggets. I mean, you got to do something. I'm
3: I'm walking to the toilet is where I'm walking (laughs) after those.
0: Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The the imagery, i I got to dump that. I wish there was a dump button in a podcast. You know, in radio, Carrie, there's this thing called a dump button. It's like magic. Somebody curses, you can make it go away. The Nets trying to make the Celtics go away, but the argument I guess you could make is, is Brooklyn a little bit more vulnerable? Not necessarily to this team, but more vulnerable than they will be later in the playoffs at the beginning of the playoffs because we've talked about it so much the lack of court time that you know they've had together. I would
1: say yeah they are more vulnerable if the Celtics had Jalen Brown in the lineup, but without Jalen Brown, I, I would say that the Nets will definitely have enough time to work out their kinks. Right, I think they'll have some practice time, which they've been doing, finding their rhythm, finding their flow and their cohesiveness. But I think the Celtics being shorthanded won't put up that much of a stress test for the Nets. And I mean, they'll maybe win a game. You know, two will be a stretch in this series of seven. But one game, I give to the Celtics. Them just playing, you know, Tatum playing out of his mind, and others contributing. But the Nets will be able to have some time to get some on-court time with with those three superstars. They haven't had much thus far, and I think it's really important for them to try to build more cohesiveness. So you're saying the Celtics are
0: practice, <laughs> pretty
1: much, <laughs> pretty pretty much. I, I I would I would say that heading into the series. Talk to me. You know, if if there's some pressure that's building in the Nets, somehow, you know, those three guys in the lineup it's five games at best.
0: Yeah, and and again, you know, the the whole team is almost healthy for the first time. Joe Harris is dealing with something. He should be back in there, but how many guys on, on down the line do you have confidence with the the Nets when you're talking about their rotation at this point in time? Obviously, you know, Kevin Durant, who I think has um stepped up his playmaking a little bit as of late and and his uh rim protection defensively. Obviously, James Harden, obviously Kyrie who, who we're going to talk about a little bit more in a minute. Obviously, Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, Claxton in the playoffs. Jeff Green. When you get to that backup guard spot, is it is it Shamit? Is it Mike James? Like, how deep is your trust level in the Nets' rotation, top to bottom?
1: I mean, listen, as far as the extended role players, or, you know, I wouldn't consider Jeff Green. Well, Jeff Green is a role player, but he's in the mix, and definitely Bruce Brown is in the mix, too. So I, I should I have think, mentioned
0: him uh, off the top, I and mean, he might be starting Yeah,
1: Bruce, Bruce Bain is going to be in there mixing it up. I mean, you know, Marcus Smart, you know, you're that blue-collar guy that likes to mix it up. Well, guess what? The Nets have that same kind of guy. So he plays with that same spirit, that same energy to match. But, yeah, let's see what happens with, with Mike James. Let's see what happens with Shamit, how much time those guys will be able to have. DJ is a guy. Is the name we haven't mentioned in a while, right? He's definitely falling out the rotation, especially with Claxton being available now. So you know, Steve Nash and staff definitely have their work cut out for them as far as managing those guys, being able to pull the right guys in at the right time. Because listen, you start advancing, you're playing against Giannis. You will need DJ's minutes. You will need Claxton's fouls to give up against Giannis for some time. So I think that's Nets are definitely built. They have the depth to advance. Um, they have everything that it takes, really.
0: Yeah, DeAndre, I only see playing against certain matchup. Otherwise, I don't think he's going to play. But, you know, maybe this is a series where they can sort of define how their rotations are, are going to go a little bit. You always want to uh, be able to adjust. Uh, Tyler Johnson's another name who, who might be in that mix, uh, of course, as well, depending on, on where they go with those backup guards. But, you know, what's funny, Kerry. The, a lot of people have talked about this Nets team being bought in a sense, or, or, you know, a super team being put together. But when you look at this specific matchup, to go from where you once would have thought about the Nets and the Celtics to where we are now is pretty remarkable because when the KG Pierce trade goes down and shortly thereafter, people are thinking that as one of the most lopsided trades in NBA history. And yet here the Nets are, you know, as the clear and decisive favorite over the Celtics, who were just in the Eastern Conference Finals last year without everything that they gave up in, in that deal.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. You know, a point that you're making right there. Who would have thought, right? Like the Nets giving up all those picks for these uh, aging stars. They were there just for like, you know, a honeymoon and they were gone. And now the Nets has some years to rebuild their roster. They had some time to figure things out. You bring in Marks and his vision with the team and where he wants to go. But I, I think more, more so than anything is the Brooklyn being a desirable destination. That's what's key, right? I mean, you saw Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant make a conscious effort of I'm gonna go to the I'm gonna go to the Nets. I'm gonna Brooklyn. I'm not even gonna visit the Knicks over in Manhattan. I'm staying in Brooklyn. That says a lot about the franchise and how they're building their culture. It shows that you know they have trust in Sean Marks to be able to build a championship-caliber team, and look what he's done, right? In that first you know year and a half that they're all together, he's put the pieces around those two guys. I mean, you bring in Harden, you bring in Blake Griffin. Now he's in the re-emerging guy from the old past. So you see a culture, you see a franchise that is desirable for players across the league, and now if you're getting bought out and you're thinking about going to a franchise-caliber team, then that's just definitely going to be an option for
0: you. Yeah, I look at it almost in two parts. One is the, the foundation building, which is what Sean Marks did, right? And he made them into a reputable franchise and organization and destination. And then once Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving make that decision, it's a whole other thing, which leads to James Harden coming in and this monstrosity of a team. But Kyrie was the first in a way. I mean, I know he and, and Kevin Durant were a package deal, right? But when he first came, he was saying, I'm, I'm the Nets fan. He, he was first. And that was right post-Boston. And now, you know, Celtics fans are going to be furious to lose to Kyrie.
1: It's all all about recruiting, though, Robin, right? Nowadays, it's, you know, the agents took care of so much of the business side of it, where it's, you know, finding places for their clients to go play destinations. Yeah, teams out there sort of kind of soliciting players to come to their franchise. Now it's strictly recruiting. And the recruiting takes place amongst the players. So it's building those relationships, those connections, and one to make sure that at the right time we're free agents, hey, I'm going to come join you wherever you are. We're going to make it happen, or we're going to go together to a, a certain destination.
0: You know, what about Kyrie and the way he's been covered? Um, Not just this whole season, but especially, like, in, in the past week. I know, you know, he was actually asked um wh- how long he sees himself playing basketball, I think. And, and he also later on had said he's going to play this playoffs like it's his last you know, this comes up because over the weekend, he, he had talked about the, the situation going on you know, between Israel and Palestine, right? And, and saying there's bigger things than basketball, which is fit a motif that he has really, you know, ascribed himself to for the, the great majority of this year. But he's very polarizing because, I mean, he got criticized for that. I don't know really who's arguing against that, but about bringing that up. Uh, In the the context of basketball in these media sessions when he's being asked. And, you know, 50-40-90, he's still putting up the numbers. I mean, he he had just his best season. Not bad for a a guy that um, was told he should retire.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kyrie is is a free spirit individual. I mean, his mind is not solely on the court performance. I, I think that's his escape. His escape is, you know, what's going on off the court, what's important to Kyrie personal life, what's important to Kyrie, you know, post-basketball life. He's thinking about those things. He's engaging himself in those discussions. He's really well-read on the, on all these social justice issues across the world, and they matter to him. He really cares about them. And so he's going to use that, that media time to try to interject those opinions into there and it's you know his social media or, or you know sit down interviews with reporters after a game he doesn't care about that basketball to him is just you know it's, it's an outlet for him
0: it's a job right and, and it, it, when we talk about professional athletes it's so often like the commitment to the game and all that is, is so important but we all have our job it's tough i think for some people to process a player publicly talking about it like a job
1: yeah, well, I mean, look, it, he's he's creating his own legacy, I think is what he's doing. He's, he's always talking about that, right? Like, just being true to yourself. And listen, this is what he's doing. I mean, I think it's going to become more normal for athletes across all sports to express themselves in ways that feels more natural to them. Instead of, hey, you can't box me into a corner because I'm in this press conference and you're asking me basketball questions. I don't have to just answer basketball questions. If I'm thinking about something else that matters to me. So, yeah, he says, I can't.
0: I'd actually like to see him go um, further, you know, uh, beneath the surface rather than just the surface level comments. But maybe that is for a, a different forum. I'm not sure. You know, right? But I guess the adversarial tone he took at, at times led to a, a bit of a, a friction that, that people can't kind of mend.
1: Yeah, I think well it's it's his opinion, right? And whenever you're voicing your opinion, you're going to always have people that disagree with it. And so his approach isn't always great. He's, you know, young guy that's trying to find his way in this complicated world, especially when you're being covered daily by the media and there's critics and there's pressures and there's expectations and people are telling you hey you know shut up and just dribble a basketball like why are you talking about this so there's going to be opinions that vary across the spectrum i'm all for it i mean if it's able allowing him to still decompress in a way to perform 50 40 90 the way he has this year and average 27 and a half points on a second rated team in the east knock yourself out buddy. yeah
0: it's unbelievable the, the level of play that's out there he's such an interesting guy too i mean i'd, I'd love to explore that more but i think there is a, a section of the fan base that's worried he's just gonna disappear one day.
1: Yeah, and that could be the case. I mean, maybe he's playing those seeds now and he's making those comments like this is my this could be my last or whatever. I don't who knows if Kyrie, man. That's the intriguing thing about this young man and his journey in life his journey through basketball and how he's used the sport to further his legacy and, and what he, and what he's really all about personally. And I think he's able now to pull his personal, you know, whatever it is, achievements into basketball in a way that he hasn't been able to do and express in the past. Well,
0: I, I think he got more comfortable as the season went along. I, I don't know if, if something changed in the midst or something we don't know about because, you know, you went from the pawns comment and the, you know, leaving and and sort of being AWOL without us knowing what was going on, to him being more, I I think, forthright, and and he seems more at ease in his own skin up there right now.
1: Uh, Possibly, but then again, next week, he may decide not to speak to the media at all. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to talk to you guys. Like, I'm done with the media. Like, you guys will, will criticize the media and slam them, so... He's all over the map, man. I, I don't really think he has a a total handle on it all totally, but I think he's figuring it out, man. As, as he's going, it's just like the next season in in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing for a guard that small to have a 50-40-90 season. It just speaks to his ridiculous skill level. Also leads the league in PTO. Uh, but <laughs> when you get into the playoffs, Kerry, you've been there before. What's the difference? You know, because Kyrie... He's been there. He's been there at the highest level. He's hit you know, a game winner in Game 7 of the NBA Finals in the highest leverage situation. Kevin Durant, been there before. James Harden, still looking for that first ring, but has played in the highest level games. We always hear about regular season, it ain't the same. What is the difference when you're getting into the playoffs, when you're playing in front of those fans at Barclays Center and then going up uh, to, to those Boston fans who are saying, we want Brooklyn, but I'm not so sure that's actually the case.
1: No, they don't want Brooklyn. They're just hyping their team up. Uh, what's different is everything slows down. I, I think right now you see in the regular season the pace of play this year in the NBA was was record setting across the league. And so in the playoffs, things will slow down. It's fewer possessions. The preparation just goes up exponentially. You're now doing individual player breakdown like you've never seen before between the video analysis and the breakdowns and the and the on-a-court walkthroughs. The coverages, what happens when this happens, when he goes here? We're going to get this guy off of his sweet spot, Jason Tatum in particular. He loves his little iso ball. How are we going to? keep him off balance so you're going through all those scenarios over and over and over the preparation is just incredible and so it makes it that much more challenging to be able to keep your rhythm going because great players right are going to find their rhythms but now because of the preparation you're able to keep them off balance and that's the chess match that we'll see take place in the playoffs
0: and and i want to see this show on the biggest stage right we've been talking about it all year and then then you see a play like you know the blake griffin behind the back pass mike james off the glass to kevin durant and you're like yeah there it is brooklyn baby And, and
1: you're gonna see all of that you're gonna see Harden make those great passes you're gonna see you're gonna see Kyrie and KD make tough shots after tough shots this is what those guys do they've been doing it like you said before for their career they've been in those big moments that is nothing to those guys so you will see some of that brilliance of course and this is what all the fans are excited about man the Brooklyn Nets three superstars now in the postseason chasing a ring right can they do that and that's the exciting part that we all fans are looking forward to
0: Jake I know you're excited to be in the building
1: you will be
3: there I- I will be there apparently we both will be there now you have what you have tickets for you're going to potentially game two right which yeah, would probably be Monday that's what I'm looking at right now can the NBA get their act together I mean how is the schedule now people's lives are depending on the schedule not to sound dramatic but my Memorial <laughs> are, Day my weekend this week very dramatic a lot of fans agree with me how is the schedule like what else do they need to know schedule the dates let me know the times I got game one and two in Brooklyn game four in Atlanta for Knicks Hawks I don't know what my life is looking like I'm gonna be riding speed at Airlines and taking eight stops just to get down to Atlanta for like $300 round trip. So they need to release it. But yeah, I think it's going to be cool, guys. They're going to have 13,000 vaccinated sections. It's a lot. We went for 5,000 people 13. in the
0: vaccinated section, not 13,000 vaccinated sections. 13,000 right?
3: in the building, period. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But I think a majority will be vaccinated. And it was going to be 5,000. So that, that announcement the other day surprised some people and I think excites people because it'll feel like it's real playoff energy. Carrie, you were there in front of what? 16,000 continental Airlines arena it was back then and you could see them you could notice the palpable energy change listen the regular season at Continental was a lot different than kid to Kittles kid to Kmart in the playoffs right i
1: tell you what when those fans show up there and they all have those white towels and they're waving those white towels, ah, <laughs> the towels. that is
3: the thunder sticks too.
1: The thundersticks sticks banging them together I mean it's it's real home court advantage and this is what teams are fighting for it's why the Nets went I and mean, I, I text Sarah with six games to go and I listen the Nets that's gonna win these last six they lost. Lost the first one at Denver, but then they went 5-0 and to finish out the regular season to maintain home court advantage, which is really important. We'll see that on Saturday. Come into play, right? When the Nets take to the home court and and they have those fans, there thirteen thousand fans screaming and yelling for for KD Curry and.
3: Did you notice, Kerry That players, your teammates, were more locked in the playoffs in terms of like they weren't out partying. They get went out and got the rest. You know, when you went on the road playoff games, it was back to the hotel and to sleep. Does it change as the playoff? Like you go to the second round, it's like all right, we took care of the cakewalk Celtics. Now we got to face you know Milwaukee or the Knicks or whoever it is. Did you notice that as the playoffs went on with your teammates?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I. You know, guys aren't hitting the road as much as they usually do during the regular season. The plane lands in whatever city you're going to, Boston, let's say, and the bus goes to the hotel, and that's where you're going to stay. You're not going to the hotel, making a few phone calls, and then hopping in the limo or going out to to a spot. Magic City, yeah. Or wherever, yeah. You're going to hit the hotel, get your rest, team meals, what have you, your meetings. And keep your focus, especially when you know that this time is so important for you to try to have a chance at winning the championship. It's what everyone's legacy is all about. Is when you look back and you're retiring at my age, you're like, oh my gosh, I had a chance at winning a championship twice. And so if you win it, if you have that kind of a team then you're going to definitely stay more focused.
3: Damn it, Byron Scott. Why'd you have to take Kerry out of that game six in San Antonio? That, that's the recurring theme of this show. The Nets would have won a title that year if Kerry was still
0: Well, the, the Nets have a chance to win the title this year. We all think they're going to win against the Celtics, it seems like, right? Uh, we're- how, how many games? What, what's the – Robin, you say sweep. Oh, it's a sweep, yeah.
3: Kerry?
1: I, I say Five.
3: I say five. I think Boston wins one at home. Tatum yep. drops like a 60 piece nugget. Correct. And the Nets when it's 2 2 1 1 1, which I had to check on Twitter and people confirm because it's. I feel like they change it all the time. It's always been 2 2 1 1 1, which I didn't realize. I thought they would do less travel this year and make it 2 3 2. But uh, that would mean game five in Brooklyn to close out the
1: series. I think uh, the Celtics will probably lose you know, that, that third game to get back home, especially the Nets are crushing them in game two. They'll rest their stars and they'll get home for game three and prepare and they'll come out lights out. Yo, know,
0: I, I I don't think we're giving enough credit to the possibility of the Nets just running through the playoffs. They are 48 and 24 and the big three have played whatever many games it is now, eight games together. Like think about that in, in context. So I don't think they're losing to the Celtics. And I think, you know, there could be multiple sweeps in this Run for
1: them. I would say if they didn't have that break, right? If if Harden didn't go out as long as he did, and stuff, I would say yes. But I think that break kind of messed up a little bit of their flow, and now they're going to be trying to find that. So that's why I get the Celtics one game.
3: You notice how Robin started that with Yo? He was getting ready for his little young rap that's about to drop in a oh, second. He's ready <laughs> <all day>. Yo,
1: Carrie
0: <laughs> Kerry, Kerry was talking about flow. Speaking of, you'll hear some of mine coming up in just a minute. The Nets kick off the playoffs Saturday night in Brooklyn against the boston celtics we'll also talk to brian lewis of course who covers the nets here for us at the post Mm. the obligatory uh all right here we go turn up the bass and also the treble, we're about to go to the next level And the whole league is in trouble So place your bets at the Bellagio or a dress like de Blasio Well, maybe not, but you can connect the dots Especially when there's a big three Check that 15, including a beard and a smoothie I'm smooth B and picking up speed 50, 40, 90, Kyrie While y'all trying to catch up from behind the back Like a Blake Griffin pass I'm already Kevin Durant, dunking it off the glass Mike James? It's a shame you lanes can't hang with me but you'll get back on the court Dinwiddie The flow so silly got you exasperated But sorry it don't spread like love in Brooklyn I'm fully vaccinated I'm surprised you ain't asked for help yet Battling me is like asking for a series win from the Celtics That's a laugher Because we'll soon all be celebrating on the avenue this podcast is named after It's Nets world order and cold world to the offseason As you know Because Brooklyn be balling like Adam Sandler in a polo
3: Oh, Ooh. even referencing Adam Sandler at the end in Oof. his street ball performance.
1: Carrie, he had some bars. Wow. there. Wow. He had some bars in there, bro. I mean, the Dinwiddie bar. I mean, that's. Uh. I,
3: lo- I love the full vaccinated one because that's relevant. You need to be fully vaccinated for some of these tickets. And you had a you had a De Blasio. What you got? You checked that. You checked off Cold World, fresh off a fire new album. And You uh, checked
1: off the Glass, KD and James. Oh.
3: Yeah, I don't know if I'm even gonna do one now. That's might be a mic dropper. Although I will say, we're, did you have part of that written, Robin?
0: I did have a couple notes online. Uh,
3: did. He did. Okay, I felt like that. That seemed like it was a little written. All right. Well, I have, I, I have mine, bullet
0: so. points on references I wanted to make. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Wow. Do you guys think that's a mic drop? Do I got a rebuttal or leave it on that? I think we got to uh, leave it. Yeah, that's nah, mic yeah. drop, bro. Mic drop. There it is. Yeah. Robin Lumberg, Nets playoff wrap. Fire.
0: Joining us now on full court on Flatbush is friend of the program and Nets beat writer for the New York Post, Brian Lewis. You can follow him on Twitter at NYPost underscore Lewis and read his stories in the post and at NYPost.com. And Brian, I I think the best thing for the Nets is that they're healthy, almost going into the playoffs. The the one guy whose status is a little iffy is Joe Harris. What's going on with him? I
2: expect Joe to be ready. Joe doesn't miss games at all, ever. He's an Iron Man. So clearly this was something that was nagging for him to miss three straight. But I I expect him to be either fully healthy or as healthy as you could expect him to be for game one. So this is as healthy as they're going to get or as healthy as they've been in a while. Obviously people underrate the loss of Spencer. Uh, People almost forget (laughs) that he's there and he's an incredibly important defender for them. But, this is as healthy as they've are going as they been for quite some time.
0: Now, to that point, what's that healthy starting lineup going to look like in your mind? I mean, obviously the big three are going to be in there. It looks like Blake Griffin may have uh, sort of cemented his spot. Is it going to be Harris right back in that lineup, or did they go with Bruce Brown? I think
2: they're, considering the matchup, I think you're going to go with Joe Harris.
0: I really would have
2: been, I would have been fascinated to see what you did if it was Washington. And you had to deal with those, with... You know, Russ coming downhill, that backcourt, I'd say, eh, maybe it's Bruce. Maybe you give Bruce a nod and you let Joe come off the bench in game one and see how that works. But now, yeah, I do expect Blake to be at center. And yes, I do expect Joe to be at small
1: forward. What about those other role players? And we've seen those guys throughout the season, you know, contributing in so many ways for the Nets, you know, whether it was Shamit, Mike James, you know, coming in as of late, Tyler Johnson, those guys, how do you see Nash, you know, using those other role players and DJ, we haven't mentioned DJ in such a long time, you know, in these playoffs and, and trying to figure out what buttons to push.
2: Well, that's a good question. I mean, generally speaking, right, the rotation's going to shrink so those are going to be minutes that are going to be hard to come by. I mean, I think obviously Landry's going to have to play. I think obviously Nick is going to have to play because I think you desperately want to get him maybe not to the same level that he was at before Lamarcus came in because I thought he was great for the whatever two three weeks before they signed Lamarcus, but he's going to have to play. Uh, well, now you're already up to seven, you know, if it's Tyler, okay, maybe. But Bruce is going to play. So even if Tyler doesn't, now you're Bruce. Now you're eight. Is it Tyler? Is it, uh, you know, if now we're nine. That's it. We're not playing 13 guys. We're not playing 12. We're not playing 11. So right there, that's probably your rotation. And we haven't even got to Jeff, who has to play. Jeff has to play. I mean, Jeff is switchable. Jeff is a veteran. Jeff can shoot. So it's going to be hard for Tyler even to get minutes because what Tyler would put you at 10, I think. So even if you're not playing Tyler, you're at nine deep now already. You play Tyler, if Tyler can squeeze in some minutes, now you're at 10. That's it, there's no more minutes. Yeah.
1: for anybody else. Yeah, I I, I think Nash and DeAntone definitely have their work cut out for them as far as figuring things out because I, you know, first round against the Celtics is we totally different, you make it to the second round and now you're playing against Milwaukee, that's a different ball game and you'll need different guys for those um other matchups. And so what are what are your thoughts on Nash heading up against, you know, uh, Brad Stevens? You know, we talk about the adjustments in the playoffs that coaches are going to be making. You know, Brad has that experience over Nash. Obviously, Nash played a lot, but you know, being in that seat is different than being on that correlation I'm up. That's a
2: perfect example because you look at the Celtics and you look at the talent that they have, right? The results of this series say to me, you probably should have been better than 500, right? Over the course of something's awry. But yes, going back to going back to Brad, I mean Brad showed again why he's a good coach when he's looking at Russ and saying, you're great, you get triple doubles, you dominant player. I'm going to put a six nine guy on you, right? And make it hard for you to do what you do. And we see how effective it was. Brad's a great coach. Now, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference in this series. My personal opinion is the talent is so overwhelming that Steve can get by and learn from it. And the Nets will probably still win. Second round against Bud. I'm presuming that the Nets get there. That's a whole different category. <laughs> because there your talent level isn't this. It's maybe this. That's a different story. That's going to be interesting. But again, go back to your point. Those rotations will be different, you know, because now DJ might have to play in that series. And certainly if you get past them and you're playing Philly, DJ has to play. So now your rotations are different and the challenges on Steve are going to be different. Do you trust him to rise up to those challenges? I'll see. <laughs> we'll see, and I don't mean that in, wow. in any way. Like I'm implying that he's done a poor job.
1: Wow, yeah, you know, especially with that all star of supporting cast he's got around him. I mean, I
2: don't mean it to imply his, like he's done a poor job because I think he's done a very good job. But he's going to lean
1: on those guys a lot more, I think, in the postseason.
2: Right. I think he's done a good job in doing what he was hired to do, right? Keep the train going. Keep everybody swimming in the right direction. Keep any egos from going off, right? Keep morale solid. He's done all of those things, and he's been masterful at them. Now what you're talking about, though, is last two minutes, him having to manage Close games. Now, again, I'm talking Milwaukee. I'm talking Philly. Manage close games against elite coaches where the talent discrepancy is maybe significant, but not huge. That's a different That's a different task. Maybe I'm just cynical.
0: Maybe I'm just one of those guys that has to see it, and then I believe it. How much, that's all. How much impact do you think D'Antoni has in, in this whole mix? Because obviously he's been around a, the, the block. A huge impact. I mean,
2: I'm looking and I'm watching them play. Forget Phoenix forget seven seconds or less i'm watching houston with better players right and i'm saying that the dan tony harden we're going to switch all over the place houston except this time there's actually and i say this i don't want to be disrespectful to the rockets roster but with a better roster with more of a supporting cast clearly it's not even close right i'm not trying to slate the guys that would there but they're not kd and they not Kyrie.
1: And the supporting cast can't do what those guys can do. Bruce Brown defensively, Jeff Green defensively, Claxton. They, they never – well, they had a shot blocker, but they never had those. Yeah, other. They had a,
2: yeah, they had a rim road. Yeah, but he's, this is a better supporting cast. So I'm saying I would expect that Steve is going to have to heavily lean on Mike because what I'm watching is this is the team that Mike would have dreamt of. <laughs> to, this is what he wanted. And now he has it. Right, although he's in the second chair, not in the first chair, but this is a team that he wanted. So yes, I expect Mike to play a huge role. Adoka is going to have to play. I mean, the, obviously, defensively they will have to get some stops. So what Jacques can do and what Adoka can do, yes, they will have to play a role too because there will have to be some stops. I just think I think the Nets have accurately assessed where the league was going offensively and said, you know what, we're just we're going to double down on this. The league is offensive. We're doubling down and getting to a point where we have an event horizon or a critical mass of so much offensive talent that we don't have to be a top-five defense or a top-ten defense. If we're mediocre, that's enough. That's it. That's all we need. If we're historic on one end and mediocre on the other, that's enough. Defensively, how
0: do you expect them to play Tatum? What do you think their their strategy is?
2: I don't think we're going to expect to see them smother Tatum. I mean, he's good. He's going to get his points. He really is. But that team is, I mean, even with Brown, they were they were good offensively, not great. Now, when you look at their lack of other options, I don't even think it's about Tatum. I think it's more about Kemba, right? If Kemba's going to give you 15 and 7, they have no hope. Now, if Kemba's going to give them If Kemba's giving him 25 and 10, that's a different story. But Kemba has to do that pretty much every night. If you can make him look okay, now you've got them where you want them. You just don't want Kemba looking like an all-star like he did the other night. I think that's the key. I'm not saying that you just give him whatever whatever he wants. I'm not saying that. But I think the key is, all right, he's going to get his. Because I think he's to that level now. I really do. I think he's to that level. He's going to get his. I don't need the other guys beating me. I don't need to see Kemba beating me. That's what I don't want to see.
1: But that's my thought process. That's where I yeah, I it. even think, too, uh, to your point, I even think Kemba could even still get 20, 22 or 23 points. And they still have to find, like you mentioned earlier, the scoring. How are you going to match up with the Nets scoring? So you throw in a few for Marcus Smart, but then the rest of their cast is just is mediocre. And so I, I think it's a tough, it's an uphill battle for the Celtics to compete with the Nets.
2: Right. That's why I thought, I mean, the Celtics are, listen, when they're right, they can defend well. But that's why I thought the Celtics were so much of a better matchup for the Nets in Washington. Just because I thought, listen, puncher's chance. I don't. I wouldn't want to see them coming down in on the first round. I just, it's. I would still favor the Nets handily, but it's just a hassle that I wouldn't want to deal. with. I think the Celtics are much easier to
3: deal with. How many games, Brian? How many games have the Nets beat them? And and is this, you know, gun to your head now? Are the Nets winning the Eastern Conference?
2: Why are you threatening? I'm
3: too stingy them? to bet. <laughs>
2: I don't like losing my money, but yeah, I, I, think the Nets, I think the Nets may sweep them. I don't think that's unreasonable. If it's not a sweep, then a gentleman's sweep. Do I think they're coming out of the East? That's tough because I think they're healthy or healthy-ish, and this was what they gambled on. They're like, we would rather have the harder road, meaning play Milwaukee and Philly, and be healthy than drive hard to the finish, drive hard to the finish, and then have like Katie's Achilles is sore or James's hamstring is sore. I do gun to my head think they're coming out of the east. Yes, I think they will make short work of Boston. I think the next two will be challenging. I think the next two will be tough because I think Milwaukee forget the record and the winning percentage. I think Milwaukee is a way better team than they were last year. I think Philly is a challenge because I just don't know what you do with Embiid other than give up points and rebounds to him. I don't know what
1: <laughs> I don't know what you do with it. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I just think that I think the Nets can get past Milwaukee now that they have home court. That it'll be a tight series, but I think home court works. You know, it, it's going to really pay off again in that series. But the Sixers is going to be Embiid is a big problem.
0: Or we could just go back to what Brad Stevens said and how he opened this show. If I'm just a general fan of the NBA, I have a hard time seeing them lose. Brian, appreciate your time as always. man. Oh, anytime, fellas, anytime. please center. Flatbush Avenue That does it for episode 22 the Karis LeVert edition of Full Court on Flatbush, our Brooklyn Nets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Munguia for producing the show. Go to Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review. Please We'd appreciate it. For Kerry Kittles, I'm Robin Lundberg. We're back next week after games one and two of the first round against the Celtics. Thanks for listening, and let's go next.